0: Welcome to Drugs and Ireland, The Citizens' Assembly, a podcast hosted by Paul McAuliffe and Bridge McOscar, produced by Fiona Fall, a head of the Citizens' Assembly on Drugs. This is Episode 3 The Assembly.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Drugs in Ireland, the Citizens Assembly. My name is Paul McAuliffe and I'm joined by my colleague, Councillor Bridge McCusker. Hello. And uh, we're here to talk about the Citizens Assembly and to pr- provide a resource to those members of the Citizens Assembly to help them uh, read into this issue and to face some of the concepts and challenges that are involved in it. Um We've had two very significant episodes talking about the scale and the size uh, of of the issue about the different aspects of it, how it impacts communities and families. It's been really interesting, Bridge, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, really good. Wide ranging discussion so far.
1: Yeah. It's it, amazing how even people from very different perspectives have started to come towards some sort of middle middle ground.
0: Yeah, like I think people coming from a lot of different backgrounds are getting quite good at diagnosing the problem in Ireland but I suppose it's where we go from here that's um, most interesting I suppose.
1: I I suppose with other citizens assemblies we've seen the idea of building consensus uh, has been really important and then uh, ensuring that the legal mechanisms, the legislative change or the referendum that that came out of those, that there was consensus behind it uh, so that it that the process didn't just die, that it actually was yep. was implemented. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to discuss that idea of the workings of the Citizens Assembly um, and b- how we can build consensus and I suppose uh, discuss the political challenges. I'm joined by uh, two great guests, friends of mine, uh, Anna Quigley from Citywide Drugs Crisis Campaign and Jim O'Callaghan, Fianna Fáil Spokesperson on Justice um, and along with Bridge, I was just joking that all four of us have either are or were members of Dublin, C- Dublin City Council. So we we all I suppose we all have knocked on doors and we all know that there's different level levels of knowledge on this issue uh, and that people can be quite in the in the quietness of the the, the doorframe of their own home. Uh, they can be quite direct about what they want. Anna, you've seen how the campaign has gone from mm-hmm. drugs marches mm-hmm. to debates about yes. drugs, crimes. Public mood has really shifted, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think it is one of the really positive things about the Citizens' Assembly poll is an opportunity. Because, again, like, as we know, they're set up to give us an opportunity to look at exactly this kind of issue. I mean, it's issues in Irish society that are uh, that are difficult issues. Um, how we respond to the drugs issue, it's a difficult one, it's a complicated one, and it's divisive. You know, we know that for sure. So the, the opportunity of the Citizens' Assembly, I think, is really, really important. Um, and again, as, as you say, Paul, going back in our, like, Citywide was set up in 1995, right in the middle of the heroin crisis, in which was across Dublin, across the most disadvantaged areas of Dublin, as we know. And at that stage, I suppose the most obvious form of community engagement was around, you know, the street campaign, as it was known, which was about people coming out to march um, to march to to homes, uh, to have people removed from their homes who were involved in selling drugs. And all but also at the same time, and I think this is really interesting that some of the people who got very involved in the street campaign, they had also been involved back in the 80s in some of the activities around the concerned parents. And if this was 10 years on and they started saying to themselves, do you know what, here we are 10 years later and we're having to do this again. And that doesn't make any sense. So kind of when Citywide was set up, it was about changing the focus because peop- the, I suppose the leaders of it started to see by doing this marching again, by saying, we're, you know, we're going to knock on people's doors and tell them to leave. It's like a community turning on itself. And, and, and having done that 10 years previously, people said, no, we shouldn't turn on ourselves again and divide ourselves. We need to focus on the people who need to take responsibility for this. So that's the politicians, the policymakers, and the agencies responsible for services. So that's kind of where Citywide came from, because it, it shifted the focus to, well, the real people we have to we have to get the message to are, are those people. Um, and other kind of marches started then, marches to the Dáil um, and a huge political lobbying campaign. Um, And I think like it's I mean, and this is is, is something, you know, we own up to um, freely at this stage. Is because I think it, you know, it 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 it's really interesting in terms of the discussion we're having today. That I- in 1996, as uh, citywide, we were campaigning very actively for very very strong laws. We were we believed in um, kind of tough responses to the drugs issue, and that absolutely wasn't because we didn't care. We, we we absolutely cared. What people really wanted was to try and end the huge amount of very obvious suffering and pain that was there for people using drugs for their families. So yes, people really cared. But we didn't have the understanding. We just saw, well, here's the drug. That's the problem. We need tough laws to help us, you know, solve that problem. Back then, we would have said, I suppose, that we can solve this problem. We thought that way. We can um, stop drugs being available in our communities and we can stop people using them. And I suppose like and, and, and this is really, really a crucial point that it's our experience over the years since has totally change the way we see things so it's not like we've read it in a book or it's not like we've studied it in theory this is real life experience that has shifted our position from being in favor of really tough laws to where now for the last number of years we have been actively campaigning as a network and to decriminalize the drug user and decriminalize possession of drugs for your own use and I think just just maybe quickly, like a, a, a few of the key. And, and, and I think it was really interesting. It, it was It is very practical kind of experience that, that shifted us along that path. I don't think we even realised we were shifting along it. So it was something very practical, like the task forces were set up, as we know, back in 1996 as a response to the problem. So we had investments in the community drug services, and they were doing brilliant work on the ground. you be very familiar with them yourself, um, Paul, as you would, Jim, in your, in your local area. But we started to see, OK, well, we're investing in the services and the, the projects were doing great work in supporting people in the communities to to be able to to, to deal with their drug use, to move on from it, to make progress to, to whatever kind of re- recovery was for them. But. Okay, so that, that we were w- the state was investing in that and people were putting huge effort into that. But on the other hand, we had this other side of state policy which was putting up barriers because it, the engagement with the criminal uh, system. And that was the engagement with the criminal justice the engagement system. engagement with the criminal justice system and particularly um, having anything on your record to do with drugs. I mean, people will tell you that. And again, that uh, in a way, that's actually got worse. We were just having a discussion because it's something like our the vetting now is far more prevalent than it used mm-hmm. to be. Like back in those Days guard the vetting was well. It did apply for jobs and a drugs conviction, and it d- it didn't matter. And I think from what people say, to us it still doesn't really matter whether it's possession for use or whether it's supply, because as soon as a prospective employer sees a drugs conviction on a, on, a, on a on a CV or whatever, that's that is. And um, but again, to the overall impact of having to engage with the law, you know, had a really negative effects. So it's just this recognition. Uh, and Anna, this you're is you're a waste of resources. We've got two policies that are you know.
1: Suppose Anna, I suppose you're describing the journey journey. that uh, your community and Mm -hmm. my community and many other communities, not just Dublin right across Ireland have made, Um, but there will be people from communities where that journey hasn't been made. There will be be people who don't have the direct experience Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. that will still want a law and order approach. And don't forget, we've talked about in previous episodes, no matter what you do in in different countries, there's still an illegal drugs industry there that are taking advantage of whatever loopholes. How can we bring people on that on that journey over the course of the citizens yeah, yeah. assembly
2: and I think it is I mean and you know, it's really important to understand obviously as we do here that again it isn't you know, that people are don't want to help or that people are, but they're living in a situation that is so difficult and they see so much harm it is understandable that people can feel you know they, they walk out their door every day and they sit, they just feel no I've had enough of this I just want it all you know sorted done with um, and I think what was really, really important in this is that there's no simple solution to this policy now, but I think it is really important as part of, because with the citizens assembly, okay, you're gonna have the official process within the structure itself, but all around that, and we see it starting already with the motion in the dial this morning, um, all around that there is gonna be public discussion going on, media discussion. And a lot of the time it's the media kind of stuff that has an awful lot of influence on, on, on people. And I think we need to use, and I really, really strongly feel this, we need to use we have task forces on the ground in our local areas. And I think, you know, generally we'd be in agreement in recent years their role has diminished. They don't have when they started, they had a really, really strong role in the local areas. They were really linked into everything that was going on in Rings End, like they've been doing it all along, brilliant event every year where everybody from the entire community was invited in to be part of what <laughs> was a celebration of people's recovery from drugs. Um, and all of in all of the local areas, that that kind of huge engagement was there but it has definitely the focus of the task force as we know has narrowed a lot in recent years and that support for it that's a community development approach and that's what we fundamentally believe in because there are no simple ways you can convince people who are suffering really really negative effects that they should go along with this but we need to allow the task force I just 100% think they are there on the ground they can be having parallel discussions as the official citizens assembly is going on let the task force have parallel discussions on the ground bring people together bring various organizations together whether it's you know the youth services elderly people residents groups and you're not going to get everyone to agree but give them the give them the the opportunity to be part Jim, of the discussion do you, do you, you know? feel that
1: that first of all the citizens assembly but also that idea parallel discussion do you think mm. that will give politicians first of all the ability to make this a priority but second of all um i suppose the confidence to be able to make to make make changes that might be difficult to explain I- I if we brought it by, by way of a, a, a bill without, without the debate.
3: Yeah, it could do, but mm. I think we need to recognise <laughs> that the Citizens' Assembly in the past, where it's been used most effectively, I suppose, is on yeah. issues like same-sex marriage and an abortion. Yeah. And I suppose in respect of both of those Citizens' Assembly, although you know I wasn't part of the government, I would have thought the government that set both of those assemblies up had a view as to where it was going Mm -hmm. Uh, when the Citizens Assembly on uh, same-sex marriage was meeting in 2013. I would have thought there was an awareness in government that, listen, we want this Citizens Assembly to inform the public of the issues and to bring the process of the public being brought along more easily and then have that in advance of a referendum. The same in respect of abortion, Paul. And I think both at the time, although we look at it now and we Accept them as being something that, you know, we wonder why they weren't on place earlier, but both were contentious political issues. And I suppose there was a recognition from the politicians and government as to where they wanted to end up with them. And the Citizens Assembly determined that what's different here, I think is that there is uncertainty on the part of government or politicians, and that's no criticism of government or politicians as to where it wants to end up, because first of all, it doesn't simply involve a vote on one day uh, to change mm-hmm. the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a complex and complicated issue. So that's one reason as to why there is uncertainty as to where it uh, is going to go. And secondly, like, I, I don't think there's the same engagement on the issue yet amongst the public as there was on those other uh, social issues mm-hmm. in advance of the um, citizens assemblies that they were dealing with at the time, you know, but it's it's a benefit. Um, I think, you know, when the citizens assembly meets that will necessarily then have more public discussion about it. It'll be reported in the newspapers. There'll be discussions and Anna's right, like, you know, from politics and mm-hmm. bridge will know this as well, that, you know, politics is affected to a large extent by what's contained within the media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the public mm-hmm. might be surprised mm-hmm. at that a bit, but mm-hmm. like politicians do respond to what's on the media agenda. And then if that can be aligned with a sort of a, a campaign amongst the public, that sort of them can become irresistible to S- so politicians.
1: Mm-hmm. I suppose the question is, where do you think the public are at the moment? Do they have do they a, a lot of the people who've contributed in previous episodes have kind of said, well, look, what the way we're doing it at the moment isn't working. And I think even those people who are mm-hmm. skeptical about decriminalization uh, are, are saying, well, the war on drugs isn't working, so we have to do it slightly differently. Do you think the public are are are, are in that space? And then maybe help us understand the difference in what's decriminal what's the difference between decriminalization and legalization? And there is a difference, isn't there?
3: Yeah, there is. Just to deal with your first point uh, 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 first in terms of where the public are uh, in respect of this at present. like. Most members of the public, I think, recognize this is a complicated issue. And a lot of the direct involvement people have is that they're in the city center. They're out in their communities. I see it in my constituency, you see it in yours. And you see unfortunate people whose lives are destroyed through addiction. Like, I think that the objective of any laws that we introduce, the objective of any legal system has to be to stop addiction. Like, I start on the premise I know m- people may have a different view about recreational drugs, but I start the premise that drugs are bad for you and like, I've never seen anyone whose life has been improved by taking drugs. And maybe there are people out there who have, but I start in that premise that drugs are bad for people. They destroy lives. I see it around the city centre. You see this. I'm sure Anna knows it more than anyone. You can see the devastation it causes uh, to people's lives. So and then if you start in that premise, and I think that's where the public are, Like the big fear is that their own, their own child would become addicted to drugs. That's the big fear a parent would have. And that's why I think there is a compassionate recognition there by the public that this is a complicated and complex issue. And I don't think the public will have any issue approaching this from the point of view of it being a health issue. But just because it's a health issue doesn't mean that the uh, best solution is let's have immediate decriminalization. OK, you can accept it's a health issue, but you may say, and by the way, I have an open mind on the decriminalization Mm. issue. You, you can say it's a health issue and you could also say, listen, from the point of view of protecting public health, I think the best thing is to keep it criminalized, because I suppose if you decriminalize it and certainly if you legalize it, the use is going to increase. Isn't the distinction between decriminalization and legalization, I suppose, if you decriminalize the possession of uh, personal amounts of drugs, it means that individuals who have small amounts of drugs aren't going to be prosecuted. They don't get a criminal record. As Anna says, a stigma does attach to that. And whether the stigma attaches to it or not, that's a very good point Anna raised about the guard of vetting. Because, you know, if you say you get your act together by the time you're 26, 27, that's what we want to do is to achieve that. Then it can really prevent the progression of a person's life if they have this conviction uh, for drugs. So that's what decriminalization is. And they do it in some places uh, in Europe. Then you look at the legalization. I suppose. Prime example of legalization is certain states in America where they legalize certain drugs. Like don't, I, I can't recall, I'm not aware of anywhere where heroin is legalized, but certainly in places like in Colorado, marijuana is uh, legalized, and certain other places around the world. It's a, it's a big growing industry, and I suppose what legalization would involve this state doing is the state recognizing, yeah, it's perfectly legal for people to be involved in the sale of drugs they'd have to regulate it in the same way as they regulate any underst- other industry I would just find it an extraordinary step for a country to take to start legalising the sale of a product if it's trying to tell its people this product is devastatingly bad for you so yeah. just there, there is that distinction I'm between and
1: pretty you, you've looked at some of the examples around the world I suppose no matter what way people have approached it even if only some drugs are made available others aren't and so the illegal drugs industry is constantly a presence yeah
0: it's still so it like th- there's al- always is a lot of talk about the Portuguese model um, and I suppose people kind of project their own opinions onto that whether or not it's success or otherwise um, but what's striking about Portugal is that the illegal drug market still exists whether it is mm. for marijuana, cocaine heroin um, but what they do is they separate the user right I suppose from the criminal justice system so um, I know when we ask this question of other guests there is a lot of um, different answers people have different opinions on it but like there is with alcohol and gambling, like is there should there be space for safe use for the state recognises that there is mm-hmm. non problematic or safe use yeah, of drugs, yeah. um and separate that out from the problematic use. And we this
1: no? artificial division between legal drugs and illegal drugs. Of course, alcohol Absolutely. is a drug. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that that that's probably one of the biggest issues Absolutely. that the Citizen Assembly will take. But then once once yeah. it lands back in the Aractus. Politicians will have mm-hmm. to have to get ahead around that. We might come back to that because I want, I want we've talked about this citizens assembly <laughs> as an animal all, all, all throughout the podcast. But we actually have never really properly described the process. Bridge, do you want to just take us through about what is the citizens assembly and how how does it get formed and um, what's the outcomes of it?
0: Yeah, so Jim mentioned one more, some of the more high profile um, assemblies from over the last decade. They have become a feature of how I suppose some governments like to approach certain hot topic issues where there seems to be extreme ends of the debates. Um, I suppose just try and see is there a consensus or is there an evidence-based way to uh, resolve them. Um, so generally there tends to be a hundred members. They're selected at random from the electoral register and the idea is that they're supposed to reflect our society um, by age, social class, uh, the regional spread and in gender. Um, they each have their own set of rules and procedures but by and large they invite and accept submissions from the general public and from experts and based off those submissions they then develop draft recommendations that are then reported back to the Oireachtas and it's up to the government then to respond to each recommendation. Um, So the high profile ones would tend to be the Eighth Amendment and same-sex marriage ones um, which I suppose were debates that had quite or were perceived as having quite extreme sides. But then when the Assemblies looked at them, there actually did turn out to be a consensus and generally a broad middle ground, which was their benefits. And uh, there are two current ones at the moment, um, the directly elected mayor for Dublin and there's one on biodiversity. And I suppose we're waiting for those to conclude and report back before the one on drugs can be established. So people will
1: get a letter on the door asking them would they like to participate in the Citizens' Assembly on Drugs? Yeah. They then agree uh, it's a bit like
0: jury service well mm. it's not, well, it's, not uh, it's not compelling in the way yeah. the jury service is but it's it's literally a letter in the door and you're invited to take part and you, yeah. you either do and it, it really
1: does act like a jury they, they mm. essentially hear the evidence and then they, they they issue their recommendations yeah
0: and I suppose what it's important to say that like people should take part whether or not they have l- strong opinions or a lot of knowledge o- of the, the topic because I suppose what, what you don't want is to be made up of people maybe with um, preformed opinions or with too much experience mm-hmm. almost it's, it will be good to yeah. get a good
1: res- and that's going to be a challenge for communities mm. that mm. have had a lot of experience that have campaigned yeah, yeah. and so on they they won't have a formal membership of the mm-hmm. Citizens Assembly they, they may be invited to present and so do, on yeah. uh, mm. but there's sort of other people making that decision mm. I suppose for community people like yourself that'll be hard to explain won't it
2: well i don't know i think there's a parent and 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 i'd just like to start i suppose because i want to strongly disagree with what jim said around you know drug use is bad and i think that's a big part of the challenge we have is that 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 is how as a society we currently see it and i think we have because and and actually you know i i would say very strongly the evidence doesn't actually show that um, the evidence shows across the world and uh, very very significant numbers of, of people use illegal drugs uh, the point about alcohol absolutely like Irish society cannot say it doesn't approve of drug use it absolutely does it not only approves of it it celebrates it we hand it to visiting dignitaries so we are a nation of drug users um, and, and the issue of why we allow celebrate and celebrate a certain drug and um, don't allow others is a much more complex issue I think than just saying drug use is bad we do not believe as a society drug Use is bad, and I think one of the things the Citizens Assembly could give an opportunity is for us actually to face that because I think we are being hypocritical when we say drug use is bad uh, because we we don't actually believe that. We can see that from day to day life, and um, and but I think in terms of the the, the membership of the Citizens Assembly and and hea- hearing from people um, with the direct experience, I th- like I think that the again what what the Citizens Assemblies are trying to do is is a uh, I th- if just from the experience today they're trying to look at the evidence and trying to get past that kind of and, and you know it is kind of a moral judgment um, and trying to get past that and I think in terms of I think th- what the most powerful thing certainly in my experience in my life and it's back to your question there Paul about how do people hear this um, there will be at the Citizens Assembly some of the people who will speak to the membership and I know there's a little there is a bit of a commitment in the Citizens Assembly in the office to try and have at least some some representation possibly from people who've lived experience in the in the actual membership now that's very challenging and um, but most certainly there will in terms of when submissions go in and they select and um, people to speak to the citizens of the assembly there will be um people who have direct experience of drug use and i just think the most powerful anti-stigma um sort of activity and the most powerful i think message that takes away this idea that somehow you know drug use is in some way a sign of weakness or failure is hearing from people who have that experience and um, it's absolutely you know i often quote about the, the sale project the women in the sale project you cannot sit down and listen to it, it doesn't matter whether whether they're former users current users that's nobody's business do you know but you just listen and they're just one example you hear like there'd be so many of the services and project you sit down and you listen to people you're hearing really intelligent rational people and they when they talk about their lives you start let and, and let's focus i mean i think <coughs> this is where it's crucial to kind of get past the moral judgment let's look at the reasons why people use drugs so first of all there is the recreational alcohol is our main one and um, but people do use other drugs recreationally across the world um, and not just in Ireland. Um, but people also use drugs then uh, because d- mental health problems. There's a massive connection, as we know, between mental health issues and and, and drug use. Yeah, people we effectively we, we've discussed the diagnosis yeah? issue. Yeah, people self medicating um, for trauma and so on. People just finding life really, really hard to cope with. And for us as a society to say to someone who uses a drug in that way. You know you are a criminal is it just doesn't make any sense but, but i think in terms of uh, persuading uh, people we need to hear <coughs> and and it's it's like a catch-22 paul um that we need to hear directly from people who have this experience and i think i think you mentioned this at start it's really crucial we hear from people across sort a of society because again we do we know the worst impacts of of the drugs issue and our current drug policy is in the most disadvantaged areas we know that but people from all walks of life are using drugs people from all walks of life can't open addiction so it's really important we hear from from people from across society because again i do think and this this um is is one thing we found out we did in, it, when we were doing our work around stigma and um, red sea did a poll for us and one of the questions in it was asking people would you be okay to live beside someone who uses drugs and there were 60 something percent of people said no and we were talking about that said how would you know like if someone next door to you is so my point in that is when you ask about people who use drugs, what a lot of people see, they have this image of the person they see on the street. Yeah. who is the person with the worst problem, the person. I who's I suppose, Anna, the, so we need we need the, the voice. The challenge will be here.
1: The challenge will be and I, I think mm. many people uh, jump to that moral judgment yeah, p- yeah. place. We've talked about trying to compress all of those ideas that you mm. talked about trauma into such a short process. Mm. And then even if the citizens assembly come to a, mm. a consensus around you know, even mm-hmm. if issues around prioritizing mm-hmm. resources for treatment and, yeah. and things like that. Whether that gives the politicians the confidence mm-hmm. um when it, when it arrives in an So Jim, the Citizens Assembly on gender is one that obviously has a referendum uh, mm-hmm. element to it, but there's lots of area recommendations in there that mm-hmm. belong with different ministers and in the Iraqis and y- you've, you've tried to progress bills and, and different mm-hmm. when when stuff lives in different government departments, it can be very challenging to deliver that. C- so. the 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 Roxas is going to have to we're going to have to see how we respond to this recommend these recommendations aren't we
3: yeah I would have thought ultimately uh, as well success from the citizens assembly is that there's a list of recommendations that come from it and being realistic then it'll be to see whether political parties in the Mm -hmm. aftermath of that have it in their manifesto that we intend to implement the recommendations some of them may go for us we don't know what the recommendations Mm -hmm. are going to be like so it's going to be difficult to speak about it now um, like listen to Anna was very interesting there. And, you know, it'd be great. If this isn't simply here. People like Anna, who has expertise and respect of it. But like, if you look at alcohol, like obviously alcohol is ingrained in our society. Of course, it's a drug. But like, there's no way we're going to be able to get rid of alcohol from our society. But just hear me out on this. Like if anyone suggested that, listen, say alcohol didn't exist. There's this new drug. It's called alcohol. By the way, these are the figures that result in the number of people who will be in hospital from it. This is the number of people who are going to be in and uh, need psychiatric help for it. This is the number, the, the cost it's going to be to the health system. People would say, you must be crazy. We're not having that. So, like, I think, and I know the alcohol argument, but I, I, I don't think it is an appropriate comparison. And um, Anna's perfectly entitled to criticise me for that. If you look at what happened in Colorado, and, like, I do look at this as a health issue, and I, I totally agree with Anna. You shouldn't be saying to me, but you're a criminal. Like, sorry, people who are importing and drug dealers who are bringing m- amounts of drugs into Ireland are criminals, OK? But in terms of a person who has an addiction problem and even potentially somebody who's using it for their own recreational use, I don't think there's a huge benefit for the state saying to that person, you are a criminal. But look at the consequences in uh, Colorado where they've legalized the use of marijuana after they legalized the use, the instance of young people, particularly males, gaining admission to accident emergency departments on grounds of psychosis alone shut up. So like it does have a like we've just gone through a public health crisis where we closed down the country, we closed down the schools, we closed down everything to protect people's public health. Like at some level, I don't think we can be vague with people as well about the fact that drugs, certain drugs can be devastatingly bad for them. I think we've an ob- we've an obligation as legislators to say that and the government has that obligation as well. So it's not, and there's no easy solution to this, but I do approach it as a health issue. But I start by looking at it on the basis that drugs are bad for people. Now, I can mm. say disagree mm. with that, but that's my assessment of it. Maybe if I'm before if I listen to what's happening in the citizens yeah. assembly, I'll change my mind. But my assessment is drugs are bad mm. for people mm. and the people who really suffer from it are not the people who are out in middle class areas smoking a joint or snorting a line of coke, the people who really suffer from it. Are people in inner city communities in the centre of Dublin as we are today, uh, whose lives have just been devastated by? And
1: yeah. I suppose a lot of people mm. in in different yeah. campaigns, not yeah, just citywide, yeah. uh-huh. have focused on the area of decriminalisation, and yeah. um, and a lot of people in the citizen assembly might be afraid that this is you know the first yeah. step, yeah, yeah. D- sure. and we've seen that with other debates yeah, as well yeah. that they're worried yeah. where it might go. Yeah. Um, has has have, have 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 people within the sector deliberately mm. focused on the issue of decrim because they think it's deliverable, mm-hmm. um, yep. or, or, or or and is there a view mm. around that idea? Is is there a safe level of use or like gambling and alcohol? Do we protect people who are vulnerable to addiction <coughs> and then regulate mm-hmm. safer mm-hmm. use? I I just yeah. throwing it out there no, as a absolutely. question because
2: and and it would be really interesting to listen to Jim because in a way Jim, what you've just said is is supporting decriminalization of the person, because you just said you don't believe the the people who are talking about should be told they're a criminal. Now, currently, our law does tell them that. Um, so that I think is I I, I think our experience is that the vast majority of people, if you you say it to them, do you think someone should be made a criminal because they use a drug? The vast majority of people say, I know that doesn't make sense. And so I think that is really important as a starting point, because I think if we if we could achieve that it has a real it has a huge kind of knock on effect in giving the people who've been through this experience just more confidence or more safety in terms of speaking about it because if you've been involved in a criminal activity or are currently involved in what is a criminal activity you can't Well, certainly if you're currently involved you cannot speak up at all but I think the message because a society cannot do anything more stigmatizing to someone than to say you were a criminal so I think I think it is it if the citizens assembly in terms of looking at at, as a starting point, the fact that that status of being a criminal is removed from people who use drugs, I think that would be massively significant, but would also have a lot of other. It would be the start, I suppose, of other effects for those people. And I think and and this is a really important point that you made. Like, I think it's really important to say that in arguing for decriminalization. And as far as I know, anyone who argues for decriminalization of the person, none of those people certainly not me are for one second saying drugs are not potentially extremely harmful absolutely they are 100% and the reason we want better drug policy responses, is because the drugs are harmful, because our current policy of criminalizing people doesn't help them. Again, all the evidence we have, a, and there is a lot more, and I think it's, it's right to acknowledge, we have a lot more evidence on decriminalization, because there's a lot of different models of decriminalization have been tried in different parts of the world, and the, there's a lot of evidence there. Interestingly, that the, because we were mentioning COVID, Jim, the World Health Organization, who are like our, the people who guided us through COVID, Do- dr mike ryan the world health organization in 2019 and 31 un agencies came out and said we should have decriminalization for people who use drugs on personal possession this is the world health organization and that's based on looking at all the international mm-hmm. evidence because interestingly and um, they they have looked across across all of the studies because again there's examples from specific countries but looking across all of the studies they've reached the conclusion that um, removing criminal status from the person has no yeah. impact on the level British, of drug This, use this debate other between factors. this yeah. debate between
1: Jim and Anna is really interesting, isn't it? Because I think that this is what's going to happen at the Citizens Assembly, mm. and then when mm. it comes to the Iraq, the same debates are going to happen, mm. and it'll it, the same debates will happen in the media on Joe Duffy mm. on radio programs or across the country. Uh, th- I, when you look at other countries, is what Anna describing Portugal?
0: Yeah, I and mean, Portugal struck mm. me because, mm. like I said earlier, it doesn't remove the illegal network, but. It's probably just a more humane way to deal with people Mm -hmm. who are actually affected Mm -hmm. by it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I suppose it recognises that each case is an individual with its own Mm. um, with its own reasons behind drug use. Somebody may have a problem, may not, and tries to refer them on. And I suppose what's striking is that we probably have a long way to go in terms of the services that are available. To be begin to replicate that. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I think that's that's mm-hmm. something for the Assembly mm-hmm. to consider. Just what level of investment mm-hmm. do we need to get there? Mm-hmm. If that was the road we wanted to I go down. We yeah. need
3: to think as well, like what's our objective? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In all of this? If you look at the Citizens Assembly, so the government set it up for same sex marriage and for the Eighth Amendment. Like the government's objective was fairly clear. It wanted the constitution changed. What's the political objective at present? And I suppose you could ask a whole variety of politicians mm-hmm. to get a different answer. So my view as to what the objective should be should be to try to reduce the level of devastating addiction that exists in our community that's what i think is the mm-hmm. primary objective mm-hmm. and like you talk about the differences between myself and Anne, i've no doubt we could get agreement on this issue mm-hmm. but l- like uh, when it comes to questions of decriminalization or legalization that's what should infor- that needs to inform that mm-hmm. issue that i want to achieve reducing the devastating level of addictions that exist in Irish society. And are you, I are you saying Jim
1: that in the overall citizen assembly and as big as this problem could be, we have to make sure we don't lose focus on on the people who are addicted and the impact of, of mm. that of, of that mm-hmm. addiction. I think you're both yeah. coming. you're mm-hmm. both from that yeah. coming from the same <laughs> space there. You know, yeah? Yeah,
3: yeah. So there are people obviously who take drugs and it doesn't impact upon them. And to be honest with you, I don't really care if, you know, they're going with the rest of life and they're taking drugs. And I, kn- I know Donna's on mm-hmm. point about it. Well, then let's not call them criminals. My focus is on the general policy to ensure that people predominantly who come from underprivileged backgrounds that they don't end up with the devastating levels of addiction. That should be the focus of policymakers yes, and that's yeah. what we have to concentrate on. We're never going to uh, appease or we're never going to satisfy everyone. But that should be the focus of the uh, yeah. of concentration. Jim has kind the of given me the answer yeah. to the
1: next question I was going to ask. Um, Decriminalisation will take up so much of mm-hmm. the discussion. Yeah. Uh, But there are so many other areas that Mm. we will want the Citizens' Assembly to make Mm. recommendations on. I think Jim's spoken Mm. fairly eloquently Mm. there about people with addiction. What would be the one area you'd hope that the Citizens' Assembly would focus on?
2: I mean, I think not criminalising people for use of drugs is an essential starting point, because I think as long as we're doing that, you know, that's a barrier really to having proper discussions and and sort of proper um, responses and i think it it certainly the evidence shows that it increases harms for people i think the point and absolutely agree with jim's point about like all of our intention is to reduce the harms that are caused by drugs but again it's um it's something that's just indisputable and the evidence is there and it's the evidence is as strong now as it was back in 1995 that there are massive links between really serious problematic drug use and poverty so if we actually Genuinely want to reduce the harms of addiction, then we would be, as a state, we would be saying, you know, we need to address poverty and concentrated poverty and areas because it's, it's, you know, that that is a fact. It's not a contradiction to say anyone from any walk of life can develop an addiction issue, but also to acknowledge the worst harms absolutely are in the most disadvantaged areas, and we need we need to we need to keep remember that. But I think it is a really important point about um, Portugal that again decriminalisation yes in itself it is very important because it's removing that message to, to me or you as a drug user that you're a criminal but it is essential the services we all know this because yeah. we're all in, familiar with the community drug projects on the ground we're familiar with the services the services are, don't have the resources they need to provide yeah. all of the other supports mm. that people need and that's essential you G- can't Jim, do Jim and Bridge I'll services. give
1: you both the last word on that so uh, I suppose other than that issue of decriminalisation yeah. I suppose is there one area you'd hope the Citizens Assembly would focus on
3: Yeah, I'd like to and maybe I'll disagree with this. I would like to spend (coughs) more focus on warning people about the dangers of drugs and the impact they can have on them, particularly when they're young people, you know, like if you look at the amount of advertising the state spends on warning people about everything, we've nothing about trying to really educate and advertise and warn young people of the potential devastating dangers of developing a drug addiction. I think we need to do that as well as that. Like we need to provide more resources for services. We need better. What What do we do with somebody who's got a chronic drug addiction problem? They've committed a criminal offence. It's not a criminal offence, possession of drugs. They've committed another criminal offence. Let's say it's theft or burglary or something like that. What do we do with that? Why do we, that person's just put in prison? Like that person needs help and uh, treatment and services. So, like, I hope the debate in this isn't as simply doesn't become bogged down between, oh, do you believe in decriminalisation or not? Because Even if we achieve, even if that happens, even if a decision is made to decriminalise tomorrow, we're still going to be faced with the same problems and they're much more deep than the issue of simply decriminalising or not. Breach?
0: So I I think Jim's point about what our objective is is really interesting because, like you say, you could get bogged down in the decriminalisation thing, but I think it's important for the Assembly to consider and government then, more importantly, what's our actual objective here? Is it to reduce use or to reduce harm? And those might sound the same, but Mm. they're not. So Portugal Mm. is succeeded in the harm one, but um, seems to have failed on the use. And people have different objectives, some people won't particularly mind whether drug use stays steady or goes down. For some people, that's an absolute. Um, But I think that's just important to define um, Mm -hmm. when government then starts to I I think reducing
2: the harms are essential because say, and the worst harms are in the poorest communities. So reducing the harms are essential. And I think on your point, like we do actually give all these messages to our young people all the time. They get all of these messages about how bad drugs are and don't use them. But young people, because they they can see the message they're getting is hypocritical. Do you know? it was a young uh, the, the youngster I was talking to said, "Well, his his father was making a comment. I don't know why you're, you're you're using drugs. You're a disgrace to the family." The father comes in from the pub drunk, and the young fella can see that. <laughs> well, so why? Is it? So young people are growing up in a world where they you know they've access to. it. They just have a, a an understanding just from what they see going on around them that drug use is an absolute part of our society and accept it so you can you can put all the effort you want in just giving messages that say to young people don't do this but if they see around them there is living in a society where drug use do you know what someone said you you can um, you contrast a temple bar where people are standing on on a saturday night people are standing openly on the street consuming a drug we we promote that as Uh, for tourists we promote it here go and enjoy come to Ireland have the crack not that far away you'd have somewhere in the north inner city where maybe young people are are, are on the street and and, and, um, maybe using a different kind of drug or whatever and they will be seen as some kind of low life and that's just Do you like we have to challenge ourselves about those kind of um, ways of seeing people because they do, because that isn't that isn't evidence based that's based on moral judgment. And as long as we've got moral judgment, I think, coming into drug policy, it isn't going to work. 'Cause we've got to really look at yeah, okay, well well what does work. And there's nothing simplistic I mean, I totally agree with Jim, it's highly complex. Yeah. And when I when I talk about like, you know, the decriminalisation is crucial, I think it's crucial, but it's a hundred percent only a starting point. I mean a hundred percent. And particularly that broader context of poverty. As a society, we're really failing on that one. But we can't leave that out of yeah. the picture well, if we don't take that on board well, in this discussion. I think as we've seen,
1: out. not just in this episode but over over our three episodes, um The conversation on this topic uh, just keeps going, and I know the conversations will keep going in the Citizens Assembly and then in the in the Iraqis afterwards. Um, So, first of all, I want to thank um, Anna and Jim. Uh, for probably yeah, tackling for the, the most difficult one about how we can build <laughs> consensus. Um, uh, uh, and uh, I know, Bridge, we've had so many guests over, over the over the three episodes uh, and it's been really great to have them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been yeah. very interesting.
1: Well, look, if you uh, want to find out more, um, you can uh, keep an eye on the Citizens Assembly website. You'll see the progress uh, for it. Um, I know myself and I think TDs and senators right across the uh, we will be talking more and more about the Citizens Assembly on Drugs. I want to thank you for joining us um, and I want to thank everybody that helped us produce and put together uh, this production.
0: You've been listening to Drugs and Ireland, the Citizens Assembly, a podcast hosted by Paul McCulliff and Bridge McOscar, produced by Fiona Fall and recorded at the podcast studio.